Hey everyone, welcome to Livestream Stars. I'm Ross Brand from LivestreamUniverse.com, and this is the show where we feature talented broadcasters delivering high-quality content across live stream platforms. Livestream Stars is brought to you by Livestream Universe, LivestreamUniverse.com. For all your live streaming needs, go to LivestreamUniverse.com. Check out our daily updates on our Facebook page, Facebook.com slash LivestreamUniverse. And Thursday night, just to let you know, we have our first live stream experts show of the year. Amir Zanozi from Zoom will be joining me to talk about social data. And then uh, back on Monday night with another episode of Livestream Stars with Heather Dobson. Also, I will be a guest on the Let's Livestream Twitter chat with Rachel Moore and Jen Nelson talking about interviewing and look forward to doing that that's 3 p.m eastern wednesday afternoon uh it's both a twitter chat and it'll be live discussion as well on periscope and facebook live so looking forward to that uh back for the second time on that show but now we want to welcome in our guest i'm so honored to introduce brian kramer one of the, the really the leading figures in the world of digital marketing and social sharing. Um, it's such an honor to have you on, Brian. Thank you so much uh, for joining. Brian is the CEO, co-founder of Pure Matter, uh, which is a digital marketing agency. He's a best-selling author. He's had two Amazon business uh, best-selling books. Uh, one, I think, hit number one in about four categories and uh, made some other top lists. USA Today, Top 150. Uh, his latest book, Shareology, it's all about the science of sharing and social sharing. And I think that's going to be a big part of our discussion today. also want to get his thoughts on uh, live streaming and live video in 2017. And Brian's also a podcaster. He's got the BK Show, an outstanding podcast, which you can find on his website, briankramer.com. He is a TED Talk speaker, gave one of the uh, real popular TED Talks all about social sharing, uh, kind of an experiment. We'll, we'll talk to him about that and, and so much more. Brian, welcome. So glad to have you on, on Livestream Stars tonight. Hey, how are you doing? Thanks so much for having me on. I'm really a big fan of yours and see you online all the time. So I'm glad we get a chance to talk and have some fun tonight. Yeah, I've been looking forward to it. And I guess before I ask you about your your books, and I want to ask you about Human to Human before we get into social uh, selling and shareology and all that kind of stuff, your wife has a brand new book out. Uh, can you talk about that a little bit? Sure. Yeah. No, she is. Um, she just brought out a book called 21 Reasons Why Creativity is Like Sex. And it is a uh, really, really fun read. Of course, I'm by and what really happened, uh, with how to be your best creative self. And she talks through some really fun things like, you know, how to brainstorm, the best ways to brainstorm, but also equates it to some of the more, you know, uh, fun, deviant ways in life that we also uh, are unassuming or assuming. And, um, you know, human <laughs> I guess is the best way to put it. So it's it's pretty cool. She's 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 in her in her find some really fun right here. There it is. Ah, nice. So I, I, you know, it's not that long ago that that you were promoting a book, but I, I was curious what's changed um, since you guys were promoting your your two books and now uh, promoting Courtney's book. How is uh, you know strategy maybe sharing about the book? How how has that changed even in in the short time since your your books were released? It's 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 well, it's different. Um, it's always changing. I mean, in the last year i released my book last july so um uh you know there there's a lot of different changes that have happened but it's also different based upon the author um different authors market their books in different ways and then you know some are a little bit more um uh, social and 
Others are in becoming more of a thought leader. Some people want to speak more. Some people want to, it just depends upon the goal of what your book is really about. Um, and so, so when you market your book, you're really marketing it differently based upon the outcome of what you want to get from your book. And um, so, so she marketed her book differently because she wanted a different outcome than I did. She, right. her, her goal isn't necessarily to get up on stage and talk as much as mine is. Um, the, um, the Carrie Bradshaw from Sex in the City. She <laughs> wants to write for Cosmopolitan and, and, and do some fun things and, and be, uh, you know, not only a business writer, but also a, um, uh, a, ju a creativity judge, which she's done a lot of and loves to do and wants to do more of. So her goals and mine are a little bit different in that respect. Um, so she's, she's kind of a little bit of a different approach. Right, right. Before we get to uh, talking about social sharing, which is is really a fascinating topic, um, I want to let's start at the uh, beginning with the first book you wrote, which is um, there is no what B two B or B two C. It's human to human. Um, and yeah. talk talk about why you came up. There it is, human to human, H to H. Talk about why you came up with the term human to human and why you feel it's necessary to drill that home to people who are, are doing business in the social economy. Yeah, this, this is a, always a fun topic to talk about because it's something that I'm really still passionate about. And um, it actually is something that we were talking about for the previous 10 years before I ever wrote the book. Um, we had it in all of our presentations and our slides and everything was very, um, very much around uh, humanizing business as the, the last where you've been starting to be created before Facebook ever made it onto the scene. Um, and so, um, you know, as we start to humanize our products and our services and things like that, it got even more important when people were starting to become more social when facebook did come around and when um, marketing automation and now now into um into that and yeah yes, darn old so um i saw his comment there um but no humans are um the, are, are an interesting, it's an interesting approach today versus 10 years ago versus 30 years ago when you had people that were going door to door and they were selling, um, you know, vacuums and, um, and they were selling, you know, um, that was now we're starting to automate so much. We're starting to really, do things that takes away from that relationship and that two-way relationship that really begs itself for more business and more things. I think um, I, I don't see it going away. In fact, I see it becoming more of a necessity in the next few years. Even up like a Hey Brian, uh, Brian, you, uh, Brian, your video's breaking up a little bit, and I don't know whether it's on my end, on B Live's end. Um, I'm hearing a little bit of an echo too. Last time, I think it was an issue with with B Live, and then it just kind of corrected itself. So uh, I apologize if anybody's uh, missing a little bit of uh, what we're talking about. Um, but we're talking with Brian Kramer from Pure Matter and discussing uh, his first book, Human to Human, and I guess, you know, business is going towards um, more automation, more outsourcing, um, more uh, working from from remote locations and, and telecommuting and all, all that kind of stuff. Has that changed how we, we relate to people in business or um, with devices like cell phones and social media and everything? We should be able to conduct business just as if not more <laughs> with our human selves than ever before. You would think so. You would think so. But I, I really, I think too that, um, you know, look at just what happened over the last week. I mean, context is, everything is out of context. Um, what's going on? What's important? 
what they meant by that comment. I saw somebody post something just in the last 24 hours that was meant one way, but upset people in a whole different way. And, and context of where that person was coming from was completely misaligned. And so I think that, um, that what's happening is people are misconstruing who that person really is or what that person really stands for, what that person was trying to really really say disparate it's becoming so hard to understand what we're trying to say that we're having to work harder for it and so i think people or humans are starting to waver between should i really just post anything because i'm just going to create i don't know if i have the context to be able to give everyone exactly where i'm coming from to the flip side where they'll they don't care they're going to wholeheartedly what they're saying but again context lacks context lacks so much that they're starting to become uh, really hard so I think we're gonna have to learn how to be better context storytellers not just storytellers but giving context up front around where it is that we're coming from that's gonna save so much um, so much to the human I, and I think um, obviously a good amount of the burden is on the storyteller, right? Because if it's not being received as an, as it's intended, um, then the storyteller isn't probably doing their job with context. At the same time, um, I'm seeing something more in the last, say, five years than I've ever seen before. And that is the creative misinterpretation where how can I read the worst intention into this because I can score a political point or I can score, uh, I can be outraged. And then if I'm outraged, I've got a power leverage of somebody. I can even get a promotion over them because I can accuse them of doing so. So I, I think to some extent we live to be offended because there are, <laughs> there are victories that we can score if we can't win the argument. You know, we can't win the game on the field. We can win it, you know, by taking a quote out of context or reading the worst intention into it. Or, you know, um, I, I'm just thinking of, you know, an author who I, I, I think of who engaged in an academic discussion of is there a time when torture could be used? And you could say it's more morally justifiable than, say, some other policy in a certain situation. And people who didn't like his views on certain, certain things rushed out to say he's endorsing torture. No, he was en engaging in an academic kind of discussion of, you know, is the morality of torture, is it the worst thing? Or is it worse, let's say, to bomb a village because we think we have information that some wanted figure is in that village or whatever? Would it be better? He's trying to put, you know, between two bad options, figure out the morals. And somebody listening has got he's in favor of torturing people. He wants to torture all people who live in any village who are from any background, whatever. And I, I'm seeing a lot of that creative misinterpretation, which makes it hard on the storyteller, no matter how much they try and give context. It's so easy now to take a line out of context and say, that person said that. And it, it, it's not helping people come together and sort of share more, but it's making people say, like right. I said in 2012, when I joined Facebook, believe it or not, I, I was kind of late to the game with Facebook. I joined other platforms first. I, I said, I'm never going to do a political post. And I still haven't. And I don't think most people who follow me have any idea who I voted for, whether I voted, what I think about issues, where I sit on the political spectrum. Because I know that somebody's living to misinterpret what I said creatively because <laughs> they don't like where they think I'm coming from, right? And so let me read the worst into it and set somebody back. So sorry about the long rant, but I see that as being a problem with our, our social sharing when people go into areas that are a little bit controversial or a little bit they open themselves up for creative misinterpret what I call creative misinterpretation or just basically lying about what somebody said or meant to say. <laughs> yeah. So, well, there, there's a lot of different, um, and there's a lot of different ways that people share. Right. And I covered this in my second book in Shareology and, and the way that we share um, really gives, um, gives everyone a sense as to who we are.
are. It's kind of your is about yourself. Um, and we all study this for anybody out there that's a communications degree. Um, you know that um, uh, you know as you start to peel the onion, um, you know the the onion starts to um, become softer and, and at the core, right? But all at the, at the same time, to cry, become a little bit more, a little bit deeper. Um, this communications you don't start out by saying um, I voted for so-and-so that, that's you would never walk up to somebody in the bar and just say that to somebody or, or to somebody that you just met there's an evolution of friendship over time that starts to become a little bit more of, of a um, peeling the onion and that that, that it is the same theory that applies today, and, and that's that you don't give everything um, all about yourself to somebody new right away. You build yourself up to that and gain that relationship or that trust. Um, and so, so I think that same thing applies to uh, context. Context is, is that same Each other um, and become um, endeared towards each other when you share just in in little snippets that's all we have time for each each and every one of us so again it's over time sharing things that starts to form an opinion around your social body language and that's where things like personal branding comes in into play because then over time people really start in around and so when I see people sharing things um, randomly or, or or putting something out that you know I voted for this or this or this again the context of the story wasn't shared up front you didn't share um, something you know a week ago two weeks ago leading up to what it what what it is that you believe you didn't give people a sense as to who you are you're just giving them oh, I, that this is a new to learn the, the the and it's a different level of context this is in the context where you're starting to think about um, I, I've had to re, uh, have Brian restart his browser see if it cleans it up so I'll, re, I'll restart my browser and see see if it cleans things up it sounds like uh, people are having a little problem there hold on one sec I'll be right back all right thanks Brian um, while he's refreshing uh, we'll just remind you we're talking with Brian Kramer from pure matter talking about his books, a best-selling author. He's also the host of the BK Show podcast, and Brian Kramer is back, and hopefully the technical issues are sorting themselves out. You feel free to just pick up where you left off. or Okay. Where did you hear me leave off, just so I know? Oh, you sound great now. You sound great. Okay. So what I, what I was saying is that, that um, you would never you would never give – Shoot, still, uh, still Some coming in and out. About yourself now. Still there? Yeah, still there. Still coming in and out uh, with your video and your audio. Hold up. Get, uh, dance for everybody for a second. I'm going to make sure that nobody else okay. in my uh, house is, is on the, the okay. line. I'll be right and I'll, I'll not only dance, but I'll juggle and tell jokes. And uh, <laughs> uh, thanks, Brian Fanzo, for the recommendation. Um, Alfredo says, time and rapport in social media building relationships. Um, very, very important. Um, and, of course, with live video, one of the things you have to deal with is technological challenges. Um, but it's it's part of the fun, and it's so great to have Brian on, and hopefully uh, we'll try it again. How, how's uh, pick pick up again? Because I think we we didn't really catch anything that you said when you came back last time. <laughs> can you hear me now? I can hear you. Oh yay! Okay, so um, <laughs> let's see if this works. Um, I know we can give see me a, you. a thumbs up or a thumbs down while I'm talking, and I'll know whether you're uh, not hearing me. Okay. Okay. 
Okay, so um, basically what I was saying is that as as we start to release information to everyone that um, that gets to know us, there is the onion theory. The onion theory is that as you peel the layers of an onion, you start to get to know somebody deeper and deeper and deeper. And as you start to release uh, those, the, as you start to peel the onions, you also start to become a little bit more emotional. That's the emotional center. Right. Emotions of a of a of an onion are that much are very much like real life. Now, when you take social media or digital media, you take marketing automation and you start to put yourself at the outer level of, of an onion and you peel it even slower because you're releasing less and less context, then you're not getting to know somebody. So if you think about that just in the last week or a couple of weeks, when people are releasing information, it's so hard hitting that they think or why they think that. It's just cutting to the to the core, straight to the core of the onion and letting us know what they think. There needs to be an evolution of context as we start to do that. Now, that's what people are having a hard time with on social media, but you would never do that when you just meet somebody at the bar or you just meet someone for the very first time. Yeah, that, that's absolutely true. And um, it, it works in business too, right? Because you don't, you wouldn't just go up to somebody in a bar or in a networking meeting and say, Hey, do you want to buy this? <laughs> just pull something out of your pocket. But yeah. yet, you know, somebody friends you or follows you on Twitter or whatever, and you follow them back. And next thing you know, two seconds later, you have a DM from them asking uh, with a call to action. Wait a minute. We didn't even talk yet. <laughs> I don't even know who you are. <laughs> and you've got a, a 15 paragraph thing you want me to read and and then do some take some action at the end of it. Wait, how about how are you? <laughs> exactly. There's an order of, um, of, of, of communication that um, that we're all that we're all OK with. And it endears us more. That's. We get what they think about certain things because we have taken the time to get to know them. Social media has jumped that shark. We're getting into people's lives way farther than we are, are getting a chance to get to know each person. That's the that's the lack of context that I'm talking about that um, that 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 you can solve that everybody who's watching this can easily solve simply by helping to tell your story over time so that you're starting to. You release the fact that you did something that might potentially cut off that lack of context. Right, does that make right, sense? Right. It, definitely it definitely does. does. And I think. And I think because people cut to the core, right, before people get to know them and because the engagement often isn't that great, although we feel like we sort of know people because they're present on social media a lot, but we don't really spend much time with a lot of our social media contacts, engaging them, talking to them, taking it offline and so forth. We, we tend to identify people by a shorthand which may be what we perceive their political view to be, maybe what we perceive their attitude to be, what, what, what they do. In other words, we, we narrow them down to a headline and we don't really read the story that much anymore, right? I mean, so it makes it that much more hot or heated than when a friend of ours who we really know offline says, well, I feel this way about a controversial issue or makes a joke. You go, <laughs> that's that, that person doing that, right? But when it's somebody on social and all you know about them is, okay, they're, they're this demographic and they're that demographic and they believe this and whatever, it's, it's almost like the fire is ready to be lit, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So you, as we start to understand um, context more, focus, focus your efforts on, on figuring out what you want to be uh, known as how do you want to release information about you that lets people understand who you are first before anything else that's why marketing automation systems when you look at um and and you study e emails uh, 
fail to um, release like from the very first time that you subscribe they release a first email that says welcome to my newsletter here's what you can expect and then they jump right into the newsletter and you receive that every week but now i have no connection with that person i don't right. i don't know if i uh, what i like about them i i know that they took my interest right away but i more about that but if they were to give me a series of areas that would allow me to them um, a little little pieces at a time I think it would be phenomenal now if we did that same kind of theory that same idea where you know if you were to give three to five emails of just getting to know you and here go see this and you'll get to know this about me and go see this and you I'm gonna give you this for free but you know here's this and and you're really giving them an introduction into who you are that same thing that same as to social media one no one exercises it because it, it's a status box that means how am I doing right now but that's not really the case it's not about how just how you're doing right now it's about who you are where you've been what you've done what you're doing and where you're going that's what it's all about well I, I think it's interesting what you're saying about the the email list because <laughs> <laughs> I'm admitting too much here. Uh, I, I started, uh, you know, an opt-in right on my on my website and didn't really stay on top of it for a long time, right? And then all of a sudden, <laughs> I got like 600 subscribers. I'm like, oops! I thought I had about 17. <laughs> I should have been opening those emails as they go along. Uh, so I really didn't know where to begin. And so I started out just sending something on, you know, I had done some posts on fa in Facebook groups about comparing different platforms for live streaming. So <clears throat> my first email was a, you know, like if you want to use, depending on kind of sharing like what people's goals are and then which platform would fit those goals. Like if you need to have two people on air and you really care about repurposing or if your your main goal is the live engagement, then this would be the platform and so forth. Um, and so it was all kind of trying to give give value right away to the list. And then at the very end, I just had a little, uh, you know, you can uh, here's a discount for Summit Live, whatever. Um, and I didn't know how to follow that up, right? That was my first email, and I, I you're talk, you you, you kind of triggered this when you when you mentioned list. Like my next email, um, should it just be sort of an update about what I'm doing, or should it be more uh, helpful information, or you know, kind of where where do I go next in in sort of what I share with my list? Um, I'm trying not to go to the okay, buy this, <laughs> do that, you know, call to action, call to action, call to action. Yeah, no. um, you, ne you never want to sell up front. Um, worst thing in the world is to sell it all uh, until you've earned the right to sell. And, and so, you know, what you're really doing is you're giving them a sense as to who you are. You have the right for the first, I'd say, sales in, in very close, meaning three to five days, all kinds of things around you you can you can say um you know the first day hey guess what here's all my social media platforms love to interact with you guys uh, with you i'd really love to see you connect with me on twitter connect with me on facebook connect with me on linkedin here are the three handles um thank you so much the next email could be hey i i um as you know you signed up for a live streaming um, so I wanted to put this ebook together and it's for you. Here you go. It's going to get you all kinds of cool stuff and go here and, and, and grab it. And then the next day you give them more, you give them more about um, maybe a story about you that made you really believe in live streaming and what it's going to be about. And then that last day you can say, I love the fact that you've hung on so long. Thank you so much. Letters over the a week to two weeks, you're going to get more information from me. But guess what? At any time, you can reply back to me, and I will respond as a human. And you can do that. And over time, you're going to start to build rapport with people over email and social media rather than just pushing a newsletter out. If you look at your newsletter as you look at a tweet uh, that you're putting out just simply to get clicks, that's all you're ever going to get. But if you can get a single person that signs up, 
man, that's brilliant. Right. I mean, I pretty much wrote mine just as an email, like, you know, other than maybe one link that I had or whatever to which used HTML. But otherwise, it was just really an email, not, you know, a newsletter like, you know, <laughs> I, I, I guess the newsletter is kind of going away with the, the sort of like trying to make it all glitzy and fancy. Right. Just a communication, basic down to earth. You're writing to somebody just like you would write to a friend. Um, it, it seems to be a good way to go. What do you, what do you think on, on that versus the kind of more flashy newsletter? I don't. I, so I I, ha, I had a newsletter. I, I now write every single one of them. Um, it comes out every week, um, and I'm, I'm migrating. I had a couple of newsletters, so I'm migrating them all into one. And I think it's really important just to sit down and write a letter like you're writing it to uh, to to your friend across the country know what's been going on with you to tell them about what what the latest is that you're thinking about I, I release certain things in my in my um, email once a week to everyone about what I'm thinking about what I'm working on that I haven't told people before um, that it's it really truly is an inner inner circle and they know like exactly what I'm what I'm uh, um, thinking about and I actually get responses saying that's great did you check this out did you check it's into like a little mini social network and we're starting to converse back and forth, and it's like the greatest social media I've, I've had um, next to social media. So um, I think that it's important to write it as, oh, it's not only coming from you, but be okay with the mistakes that you're making too, because um, you know you want it to be perfect. And I really always fear that 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 submit button when I'm going to go to 20,000 people. Um, but at the same time, um, you know, I, the people that reply back trying to correct my grammar all the time, they're not the ones that I want on my email list anyway. Um, I mean, I don't mind grammar corrections. That's not what I'm saying. But if that's what you're focused on, that's probably not, you know, my best subscriber. Um, I don't, I, I, what, I, what I really want is a, is a conversation. I want people to um, really take something away from it. And, and I, I give like nine, nine things out of ten. I'm giving, giving, giving things away. And then on the tenth time, I, I may ask for something. I don't whether it's um, you know uh, go check this out and and, and um, sign up for a course I'm doing or or um, come see me speak at a certain place. I may do that once once every so often, but I feel like I've earned the right to do that um, because of everything that I'm giving and 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 I think that they're looking forward to it because you know we get a chance to maybe meet in person or we get a chance right. to, to uh, you know if there's something of value there. And your, you know, your second book, Shareology. I, I just, uh, we're moving so so quickly. It's already uh, thirty eight minutes in. I can't believe it. Um, sharing so much great value. I, I want to ask you, and and this may be something you you've looked at after the book came out as well. Um, but what do you think, um, from what you've studied, is the right amount? to be in touch with your email list and what's too much, you know, is there a, is there a certain, does it depend for everybody or is there, can you get it down using data that like, this is what works in terms of you how often to be in touch? Honestly, you could get away with doing it every day if you really wanted to. I just don't have the time, but I know people that do it every day. They send something out every day. Um, Seth Godin sends something out every day, um, five yeah. days a week. He's got something that he sends out. And, and sometimes it's just a paragraph of what he's thinking, and sometimes it's a full-on blog. Most of the time, it's a, just a couple paragraphs. But his paragraphs are what he writes. You can almost skim it and, and take something away in less than 30 seconds and be on to the rest of your day. So he has, he has coined um, almost I, – I can't think of anyone else who did it before him, but he coined, I think, um, the ability to ca capture your attention for 30 seconds a day. And he, he earned his right into your inbox um, and, and, and also mastered this, the subject line because you, you always want to click on what he, he's, uh, he's saying because of what he, he says. Like if you look at his subjects, sub, subject lines, they're brilliant. Um, they, they really suck you in and they, they make you think. So he never actually answers the question um, of what it is that he poses, which is kind of interesting. He actually, he actually psychologically uh, analyzes something and gets your brain going. And I think that that's what content should do. I think we're all trying to solve the 
the problem or solve the question and tell them how to do this. And I'm guilty of it to do something in 10 easy steps or five ways to do this. But at the end of the day, um, you're not going to help somebody out of a blog post, re-engineer their entire company and make millions of dollars of just one blog post. I mean, what you really want to do is you want to spark their thinking and get them thinking in a new way. If you just accomplish that one thing, then, then that's success. And that's what I aim for. And should what you email when you email things that are that are helpful, uh, whether it's some uh, something that gets somebody thinking, whether it's a tip that, you know, you discovered something and you're excited and you want to share it with your list because you think it can be helpful. Should that be then when you share that information in an email to your list, should that be exclusive to your list or is it fine to you know, a couple of days later go, wow, this would make a great longer blog post. I'm going to write a blog post about this, or I'm going to repurpose this in a video or whatever, or should what you send to your list, like that's the reward for being on my list. And, and that's, I know, I know it's kind of hard to walk that line, but I kind of feel like I'm cheating my list. If I take something that I would send to my list and like, then send it to everybody. <laughs> Yeah, I, I would say you got to get over that because um, because a lot of people uh, consume content in different ways. Um, what what they get from me in, in the email is 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 a good honest thought, and that's what I'm. So you get that from that one email, and that's that's just what you wouldn't get anywhere else. If I push you to an article, or I push you to a, a podcast, or I push you to this interview that you and I are doing right now, um, it's see, this kind of goes back full circle to to what we were talking about before. Um, if I were to tweet or Facebook it, you're not getting you're getting um, you're getting a momentary idea of what. I did and, and clicking over to that to that um, to that video but you're no more endeared to watch that other than you know being um, the fact that I just said hey you might want to go watch this <laughs> right, but right. In, in email an email is like the, the the best form aside from a blog or, or a long long version of a video it's the best version of giving in context of why you you this is going to be a benefit to you of why you're gonna you're gonna like this of why maybe I love doing it and you're gonna love it too because of X Y and Z you're gonna hear hear the context in a greater format um, than and then any other form out there Jennifer Quinn asks is it vital to do an email at the same time on a regular schedule um, yeah I do think that it, it there is something to that so my emails come out every Thursday I think um, for everyone to kind of and think about about their next. Um, I think to you know Mondays Mondays it gets lost. Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays are good days to do it. I just chose Thursdays because that's when I have um, the ability to stop and think a little bit more. Um, so I I write them on Tuesdays and then they go out on Thursdays. Um, but um, but I think that having consistency is is really you know all you know the testing um understanding like when I click on what and and i've noticed over time if i just send something on a tuesday one week and a thursday another week and wednesday another week that my um my my open rates and my click rates go down but when they look forward to it every week and i send it on a thursday my click rates and my open rates um are even or go up and so um kind of what uh rate i think i just saw rate of you know over time because I could but um wasn't working as well and what was and then I knew that you know I had to be consistent with this. Um so so I, I do do something on Thursdays. I noticed too though if I do it on a Wednesday or a Tuesday I nobody screams at me. Um you know <laughs> they're, they're not like why did you do it on a Wednesday and I can't believe it or if I send out two one week because I really feel like there's someone go why you do that you're cluttering my inbox if anything i maybe i lose 20 people uh 10 20 people off my list but man i feel like it's a gold it's a home run when i when i get people to unsubscribe um because they were wasting my time <laughs> answers anyway so um right. so so i kind of celebrate that i think it's fun to actually lose subscribers i don't think you'd ever hear that you know from anyone or at least <laughs> i haven't heard it but i really actually do celebrate un, uh, unsubscribers because i think 
you know, it's to uh, to get a good quality and it's it, and match it with with great um, data. Because if you have half of your list not opening or or reading your your stuff, then your analytics are completely off. So you got to take half your list that aren't reading stuff and move them to a different list and warm them up. And then you take the other half that are doing stuff and you keep sending them the good stuff. And and the right. other people are just they're going to lose out. They're going to miss out until they're ready back over the list again if you don't mind me asking do you use uh, a certain program or software or anything to to help with your you know managing your list and sending sending uh emails and and the rest i charge uh two thousand dollars an hour for that kind of information i'm okay. just kidding <laughs> um, no i'm uh, so, uh, I do charge that, but uh, but I'll give. Uh, so I fell uh, for I, it. I, I was just about to pull a check out of. <laughs> <laughs> See, we peeled the onion, and now I'm going in for the sun. <laughs> no, I um I use I use Active Campaign. Um, Active Campaign is I, I researched every email database out there, um, including um, Infusionsoft and Entreport at the top level. Um, the uh, automation and then the MailChimps and ConvertKits at the bottom or, or Webers at the bottom. And, um, and, and I knew it was robust that I could grow into and potentially have the ability to um, integrate with all of my product and shopping experiences so that I could um, not have to switch systems because once you, you're in an email system, you're kind of, you're kind of locked. You know? it's, it's not something that you can easily move over because you have forms and all kinds of stuff. That you um, that you've now set up and automation sequences and so on and so forth. So, massive amount of homework, and then ended up on on uh, uh, um, <laughs> what uh, what I said campaign. before. Active campaign. Thank you. Right. So uh, so and and I absolutely love it. I think it's perfect. So now, if I were to sign up for your list tonight, right, I would get a certain sequence of emails that are that are automated for a new user right for a new subscriber and then at what point um like in the middle of that when you send the list out send a, something new out right does that just drop in the middle or that drops after the sort of the sequence that you've set up for a, a new subscriber so it depends it depends that that answer is different per where you actually sign up right. um, if you sign up on one of my lead magnets then it would be a sequence. If you sign up just off my website, you, there's no context there for me to feed you something specific around something you signed up for. You specifically just want my newsletter. So it's going right. to be different depending upon where you're at. But like, for instance, if you went to, um, if you went to um, uh, briankramer.com forward slash personal brand quiz, um, then you'll see, you'll take a quiz and then you'll, you'll receive a sequence over the next five days that will uh, that will take actually your personality sharing feed you uh, uh, specifically around your personal personal type. So you'll get one day, like if you're an altruist um, uh, is one of the six uh, share types. So if you're an altruist, then you're going to get more information about being an altruist over the next five days. And it's going to be helpful to you as an altruist as to how you should be sharing and marketing your personal brand. Um, and so, so the sequence is dependent upon the 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 you know it's a logic um, based upon your answers to um, new it'd be a very quick hey thank you here's how I'm I'm doing and then and then onboard onboard you and then send, start sending the newsletters but eventually you end up in the same spot. Thanks uh, Jennifer Quinn for throwing that in the chat. It's briankramer.com slash personal brand quiz. Highly recommended that you take that. Um, I'm going to head over there and take that as soon as we're, as soon as we're done. Um, Brian, you mentioned six, six different styles of sharing or types of sharing that people categories, people can fall into what, what are the six types and are some types good and some types not good, or are they good in certain contexts and bad in other contexts? No, everybody's good. Um, there isn't a, <laughs> there isn't a bad type in this, in this, this theory. Now um, I'm not talking about people's personalities here. I'm talking mm -hmm. about how they, how they share um, that the personality is a 
quiz that I want to stay away from. But um, but the uh, personal brand quiz goes over the six uh, six sharing types. These six types were actually adopted from a New York Times best-selling, uh, sorry, New York Times uh, study research study uh, three years ago, and um, and it was based upon the types of shares that are out there. And they um, they interviewed um, you know hundreds of people around. Uh, the country and figured out um, boiled it down to these six. So if you looked up um, um, sh uh, sharing uh, uh, types of shares, the, the the whole study would come up. Uh, took that and I, I adopted the uh, the thinking and the and, and built an algorithm around it. And um, and basically, as you go through and you take this quiz, um, it, it 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 identifies which one of these six you are. So it's all the altruist, the early adopter the connector, the careerist, the boomerang, and the selective. <laughs> and so the, the the altruist is somebody who actually likes to share from their heart. They're probably a little bit positive. They're very excited. They're, um, you know, the people around Facebook that you see saying, I love you. Um, uh, let's let's do this together. We got this. Um, some really cool people out there, right. um, you know, being altruists, and we got to love them, right? And then, um, and then there's early adopters. And the early adopter is – Someone who might buy uh, buy the latest tech or try the latest uh, type of streaming uh, software and then go teach it to someone. An early adopter is the is a teacher. They like to teach other people after they've had a chance to buy or learn something before everyone else does. A connector is someone who likes to put two or more people together. Um, LinkedIn's a great spot for that. A careerist is someone who wants to rise up in their own career, but they also people uh, to, to, to do the same. Um, and so they're, they tend to be thought leaders uh, in that category. The boomerang is, is kind of broken down into two. A boomerang asks a question in order to get, get a response. So a community manager on a social media platform might be a boomerang. They like to boomerang questions. But also a troll is a boomerang. A, a troll likes to uh, give a, 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 a question only to hear your response and then pounce back on you. And then a selective is the is the quiet observing type. They're the ones who actually email you separately or they private message you. They don't share too often, but they're supportive and helpful. Uh, they're just behind the scenes a little bit more. So so those are the six. And as you start to identify, um, you can be more than one. You can you can certainly be two, three, four, all five at certain times. But as you take the quiz, it it, it basically identifies which one you're leaning toward right now. Um, in the moment when you take this, and which one you lean toward most of the time. I've had almost 20,000 people take this, and um, about six people now argue with me that it wasn't right. So I think my odds are, are pretty good. That's awesome. Uh, Rachel Miller asks, um, how has your H2H philosophy shaped your overall business strategy and affected who you choose as clients? <laughs> Oh, that's a good question. I love it, especially coming from Rachel, um, who I absolutely adore. Um, so we, um, so how has your HH philosophy shaped your overall business? You choose clients. I think, um, I think part of the thing is is that um, we got we got sidetracked over the last couple of years. Being um, um, honest here, I think we started to lose um, connection with. Uh, with clients and and clients at our size, when we're dealing with enterprise companies, they start to get big and deeper, and you start to lose that H to H interaction with everyone in a uh, a massive company. And so, when you start to lose that connection, I think you have the ability to service a an account that size. And um, and so, um, you know, it has honestly, it hasn't been our best um, best performing. Um, uh, uh, performance of an H to H approach, um, but but I think we've quickly learned from that. We've gotten ourselves back into a place where we're working with our clients, and we're 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 much more nimble and small and able to actually um, be connected to them. So the H to H philosophy took a sidetrack for a little bit, um, not because we wanted it to, but we got kind of got the shiny penny. And I think we're getting back to our roots again. We're starting to see that relationships. We knew relationships matter, but we're starting to feel the, the benefits of relationships and having, you know, kind of that Jerry Maguire approach where we're getting to focus more on on individual clients more so, more so than we ever have been in the last. Well, I should say ever have, but at least in the last five years. 
Right. Um, with the uh, about five minutes we have left, we should turn our attention to live video finally. Um, I, I could talk to you about email lists and sharing and social media all day. Um, you're obviously very good at doing interviews. I've seen you as a guest on different shows on Jenny Q's show. Uh, you have a really good podcast. Um, thank you, by the way, for the shout outs, uh, you and Mia Voss, on your recent episode. Um, with all the talk about live video, you've chosen to to stick with the podcast as your primary kind of broadcasting vehicle, right? Um, you do the BK no, show. No, no, no. The, no, I have a weekly show I've had now for almost two and a half years called the HDH chat. It's a live video stream. Um, and we've got about 10 to 15 million impressions that we do weekly. We've oh, trended okay. now on Twitter for two years, every single show. And we have guests on and we interview them ranging from uh, CMOs and executives at large companies, um, uh, not down to, but uh, individuals. Next week, we're going to have Lisa Seacat, uh, who a bunch of people on here know. Uh, Lisa's going to be um, talking about her new book and how um, how the the digital um, digital uh, landscape matters to children and she just she has a new uh, book out for children and and she has over two uh, seven hundred registered patents I think she's the number one uh, largest uh, woman uh, patented uh, person and for, she works at IBM and she's just one of the greatest ladies so she's going to be on next week we've got all kinds of really great people that talk about their passions and that's really what we're we're all about is helping people to express their stories. So H to H chat is not just on Twitter. It's actually a live stream as well. Yeah, it's a live video stream. And then the Twitter is a Twitter chat that runs alongside it. It's actually um, picked up from, I think Brian Fanzo, who's on here. I think he, he, he may have been the originator of, of that kind of style. And we picked up on it. He, he moved over to blab and got off of that. And then we, we stuck with it. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty crazy to do both a, a live stream and a Twitter chat at the same time. I guess you you probably have some helping hands, right? I mean, that's that's a lot to concentrate on. It's um well, I've got a co-host now, which is my wife, Courtney. So um, she just started a week ago, and and she's going to be my new um, co-host. And so we're on camera together. And while one person is doing the question, the other person is tending to the Twitter feed. So we we kind of split it up. Um, when it comes to somebody say starting, maybe not, they're going to not going to do necessarily a Twitter chat, right? But they're starting off, uh, wanting to get into some broadcast content to put out there and deciding between doing a, a live video show, say something like this on, on Facebook live or doing a podcast. Um, what, which would you recommend or would you recommend doing a show and then ripping the audio and making it a podcast? See, I love media. Um, I am addicted to it. And if I could just do it 100% of the time and interview people, my favorite thing in the world is to interview people. And um, and I really – oh, that's right. Sorry, Brian. It was Rachel and Brian that started that together. Um, so, yeah, that's that's right. And they, they killed it. It was such a great show. Um, but anyway, I, I, um, I, I, uh, I, I really love media. Which one would I try first? I don't know if I could tell you what I would do if I were someone else because – I'm just me, and I'm I I I like the I like the video. I like the audio. So the audio that you have to decide is: Are you able to do it consistently on the same day at the same time live, or right. um, or can you not do that? And so in that case, maybe a podcast is better because a podcast is a little bit more forgiving on when you record it and when you you throw it up live a video i think back to like the newsletter and the cadence you really mm -hmm. kind of want that cadence for your audience too and if you do a video you kind of want the cadence so it's up to you and your schedule now there's obviously there's skill sets around that like are you okay on video are you okay right. better on audio like you gotta decide that for yourself but you know the i would start there and um and people too they do the live video i don't know if you do this ross but they do the live video um, and into a podcast. So now you're, you're the best of both worlds on show, um, but everybody consumes differently. So that helps out a lot. I just don't do that because I'm ADD, um, like some other people on the show. And I like, I like having, I like having different, uh, different formats, different topics and meeting new people. You know, I like doing in-person stuff more so than online. 
Um, anytime I'm at a, an event or I'm at a, uh, a meeting with someone to sit down and actually do the podcast with them in, in person, my best podcasts I've ever done. Um, and over the ones that are, that are actually, um, you know, you can't see them face to face. Right. So I, I kind of like, I prefer that over everything else if I had to answer a question. For live video and live streaming, um, what kind of content have you noticed that that's most successful sharing? Is it is it the talk show, the interview? Is it you know the solo stream where somebody's just sharing a thought or a moment in time, or um, does it really just depend on what somebody's good at again and how you know it all fits their schedule? Or is there a way to quant you've quantified like what kind of live video content? is is able to drive business results or lead to relationships or put put out content that kind of becomes part of your digital footprint and people can can reference if they're considering hiring you or doing business with you or collaborating with you like is there any way to quantify what works in live video yet is there any sort of that you've got your finger on that you say that's what people should be doing oh that's a that's a tough one you i mean it depends who you ask right um, I'm all, I mean, I, I come from a uh, kind of a, uh, an agency corporate background and uh, what's up, John? And, and so I come from a, a background where um, conversion is, is uh, everything. If we don't have metrics, we don't have a client. Um, and so I, I, I believe in, in developing metrics for everything that we do so that I can turn it into a use case that allows us to, um, uh, you know, work with somebody on on doing something. So everything I do is a is a sandbox to figuring that out. Um, some things I don't quite have figured out yet on that level, but other things I do. Like I think that um, you know that everything should have a call to action, um, and that call to action should be repeated two to three different times throughout whatever it is that you're doing. And you can action obviously because of bitlies and conversion on the other end and things like that. So if you go into something without a call to action, I would say, um, I would say you're, you're probably missing the boat. Um, you know, not everything, everything has to have a call to action. For instance, if you're reporting, um, you know, at, a, at an event and you're just sharing with everybody what's going on at the event or you're re recording somebody's, um, you know, those are live video uh, um, circumstances circumstances where it's great for everybody to be a part of the room and they just they don't they can't be there but they can at least watch it I think you know reporter on the on demand if you will um, you know I was at CES representing a 360 camera company and and to be able to report from there and give people who couldn't be there a sense as to what was happening that was kind of fun but what's that call to action well the call to action is like the light uh, uh, stats the the um, the impressions you know, they reach and, 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 um, and, and maybe even click um, if, you, if you're sharing with a bit.ly, but then the, the call to action and every broadcast that, that um, I think uh, you're doing from a business standpoint should be um, go download this thing, go make, do this action, go, uh, go put your own video up and post it inside of my Facebook group. Like see the, you can, you can see that and measure um, what people are doing through through those kinds of activities and be able to report it back to your client or or whoever. And then you can decide which is so most effective by having a call to action and then measuring if there are conversions. Absolutely. Like, you know, the one of the best people who does this is Amy Porterfield. If you if you listen to any of her podcasts, every one of her podcasts has a call to action. And she says it right up front, right in the middle, and right at the end. And I go to download almost everything that she says because it's really valuable stuff. Um, but she, also the way that she weaves it, A, it's free. B, it's really relevant to the actual podcast she's talking about. It's not just something that she's doing for, you know, 10 podcasts. So be, making it relevant to what you're talking about, making it quality, something worth actually uh, downloading and then uh, um, gating it so that you have a chance to actually, you know, see who's consuming it. I think those three things are the best way to go at it. Well, I, I thank well, you so much, I, Brian, I for coming on. And uh, I'm not going to have I'm a call to action here. I'm going to tell everybody to go to uh, briankramer.com forward slash personal brand quiz. And That's right. 
subscribe to, take the personal brand quiz, find out what kind of uh, social share you are, and then uh, join his list as well. And I'm definitely going to do that as well and learn more uh, by observing how he goes about sharing with his list. And uh, this was a great conversation. I feel like we only scratched the surface. Uh, you bring so much value. I, I really could have done four hours on on different topics, but it's so great to have you on and, and get to know you a little better and uh, look forward to meeting you in person and uh, just continuing to follow the great hey, work man. that you do. And Ross, my hat's off to you because you have one of the war warmest, kindest brands online. And this is probably, I think it's the first time you and I have talked. Um, and, and, I, and, and, and obviously, you know, I get to do a lot of these things, but your brand is so nice and warm and you're so inviting and, 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 and good about, uh, about sharing other people's stuff. And so if there's anything I can ever do for you, please don't hesitate to reach out and, and congrats on everything that you're doing. Well, thank you so much. That's so nice of you. Brian Kramer, again, briankramer.com. Pure Matter, uh, CEO, best-selling author, Human to Human, Shareology, uh, the BK Show podcast, H to H chat. Did I, did I miss anything? I think you got it. All right. That's all I can do today. And your wife's book? Uh, her, her book is 21 Reasons Why Creativity is Like Sex. Come on, with a title like that, you got to check it out. Brian Kramer, thank and you, you so much. Right? Yeah. You go like this, and you'll be. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much, Brian, and thank you, uh, John, John, and Rachel, and and Mitch, and everybody, Jennifer Quinn in the chat, who's uh, just been great and so supportive. And have a great night, everybody. We will see you back Thursday night, seven p.m. Eastern. For live stream experts with Amir Zanozi, we'll be talking about how you work with live social data. Have a great night, everybody.